This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The NBA's playing tournament will conclude tonight with the game over, uh, of course, uh, on the Eastern Conference. And the Western Conference, of course, is the one that the fans here are concerned about as the Denver Nuggets will find out who they will take on in the opening round of the NBA playoffs for the first time ever as a one seed. Joining us to talk about it from the Denver Gazette is Nuggets beat writer Vinny Benedetto. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at VBenedetto. And, and Vinny, thank you for joining us. But uh, I guess I, I, I will start picking up where Sandy and I left off just a couple moments ago before you came on. The idea that Denver really does have something to prove, even though they've dominated this conference and at least the steadiest team in the conference for the majority of the regular season. Uh, this is a different season, and the Nuggets, quite frankly, compared to a lot of other teams in the postseason, have not left a significant imprint of their of themselves in the fa- last few years. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really important postseason coming up for the Nuggets, and I think that's only heightened by by the last two trips where, where they haven't been at full strength. So I think people have kind of... Uh, you know, suppressed expectations the last two playoff runs, and now it feels like those have kind of um, added up ahead of this one where it's almost like they've got a, a few years of expectations to kind of uh, exceed this, this go-round. Jamal Murray will be playing for the first time since his uh, considerable exploits in the bubble back in 2020. Expecting the bubble version of Jamal Murray may be a bit unrealistic, but how close to top form do you think Murray has gotten as the season has progressed? I'll just say before you respond that he's been better this year overall than I thought he would be coming off the ACL injury. Yeah, it's been a, a really interesting season for Jamal in that he's gotten really close to that top top level. I think in a, in a couple different stretches during the regular season, but but in between those stretches, it felt like there were times where it was like, "Hey, is he all is he all the way back? Is he you know confident in that knee?" And I, I know he's dealt with with other stuff as as the season went on as well. And going into the playoffs now, uh, I think the sum is. Of, of some reasonable concern. I don't think it's you yeah. know going to impact him greatly, but, you know, thumbs are, thumbs are tricky and they're involved. Sure, in and it's his shooting hand, correct? Right. Yeah, and so, I mean, when you look at that, I, I, I don't think you can realistically expect, you know, the bubble production. Yeah. Um, I, I think you can, and I think it might take him, you know, a game, to, to get back to that playoff intensity, you know, especially given that he hasn't, you know, the, no one on the Nuggets played with that kind of intensity for probably the last month of the <laughs> season with, with the exception of, you know, some of the, the rookies maybe. Um, but yeah, so I, I think people can expect him to play at a, at a pretty high level, but if, if you're expecting bubble Murray uh, on Sunday evening, I, I would say maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe slow your Tone it down. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the rookies, and I think those are interesting. Of course, Christian Braun uh, clearly has been uh, a phenomenal. Christian Brown, pardon me, I still still get that one wrong from time to time. Christian Brown has been phenomenal. Uh, it seems like he has now finally carved out a significant regular spot in the rotation. Is probably the seventh guy overall. 
I expect that to continue. Is there reason to believe it wouldn't? And what do you make of Peyton Watson, who gives you a basically a, a relentless young defensive energy? Has he done enough, even though he really hasn't played that many minutes over the course of the season, has he done enough late to actually give himself a chance to play in these playoffs? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Christian because I think that's that's the shorter answer, and, and I think you're you're correct. I think he's pretty locked into that set, uh, second guy off the bench, seventh man role, and, and I and I don't think that'll change for as long as the Nuggets are probably in the playoffs. Um, and then with Peyton, I, yeah, I think that one is more interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe they try to get him a couple minutes in these you know first two games here at home where. Regardless of who wins tonight, I think I think the consensus is that the Nuggets should get through that series without too much trouble. And so my thought there is that give Peyton a few minutes, maybe in a game that you feel comfortable winning, you know, one of these two at home, and extend the rotation a bit as opposed to restricting it in order to limit the workload that some of these starters are going to carry. Because if you're, if you're planning on this long playoff run, I don't think you want to start extending your starters, you know, the 38, 40 minute game right right out, right out of the gate. So if you can steal five or seven minutes on, on Sunday or Wednesday, um, and you get a look at, at what Peyton looks like in, in a, game that really matters, you know, again, you know, probably better competition. Uh, I think that could be really valuable. And and even if, even if Peyton doesn't play and, and that's, I think a, a very realistic possibility, I think we still can take something away from um, what he showed at the end of the regular season. Who plays the 10 to 12 minutes a game that Jokic does not play in the playoffs? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, something we've heard from from Calvin Booth at midseason and have seen at different times is the Aaron Aaron Gordon Jeff Green split in the four or five and the Nuggets go real small there. Um, Zeke Naji, I guess, would be another option if if you're talking about more of a I guess a true center, even though that feels like a stretch. Um, you know, Zeke would also allow them to kind of switch everything defensively. Um, and then Thomas Bryant, I think, would be the, the third in, third guy in my rankings of backup center minutes. And I think that's just if you run into a team with a, with a really big traditional backup center where you just need to match his size. But I think the most likely outcome is going to be, um, you know, in the games that are you know really meaningful i think it's going to be probably aaron gordon staggering with the bench and him and jeff green um splitting those duties in some fashion you did not mention deandre jordan i did not (laughs) (laughs) uh i think i think you can slot him behind thomas bryant um he's a he's a Pretty solid break glass in case of emergency candidate just because of his experience. And, you know, he's been in the playoffs a ton of time. I just don't know. I just don't know if he adds enough right now um, to, to be a really solid candidate for, for playoff minutes. Vinny, when we look at the, the – I'm putting the MVP race aside. I'm merely mentioning it in context. The, the sort of uh, net plus rating when – Nicole Jokic is on the floor as, as opposed to when he is not. His 
difference there at a plus 24 and change roughly was the same as Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Jason Tatum combined. I don't mention that in the MVP candidate contest. What I mention it is, is the Nuggets have yet to be able to make up the gap when Nikola Jokic leaves the floor. How do they find a way to get enough consistent scoring from the bench to make sure that whatever leads that they might be able to pile up with Jokic on the floor don't bleed out while he's resting? Yeah, and the the question that has been struggled to be answered for for most of this season, but everything the Nuggets say they want to do with that bench is is to make the offense easy and do that via defense, getting stops, rebounding, and running, and getting out in transition. Um, and I think that's been the key to to the times when the bench has been successful. You know, it's it's been runouts, you know, the Christian Brown dunks in transition, Bruce Brown getting downhill and attacking the rim. Because, um, yeah, the, the half-court offense with that group hasn't hasn't been great in any iteration. You know, you look back to when it was Bones and Jamal kind of split in the backcourt. That obviously didn't go very well. Um, and now it's, you know, Bruce Brown handling the point or, you know, Bruce and Jamal out there together. Um I think Bruce has, has provided some reason for excitement with, with the way he played in the final 10 games of the uh, regular season. Um, but, yeah, I think the key for that group is going to be just getting offense any way it can, and the easiest way for them to do that, I think, is going to become coming off defense. Speaking of guys who have not really been fully healthy since the bubble, there is the matter of Michael Porter, Jr., who showed signs down the stretch of being capable of playing a more complete game than he had at any time previously. I thought there were one or two games where he was about as good all around as I've ever seen him in a Nugget uniform. What are fair expectations? Uh, What is the responsibility for a guy who seems now firmly entrenched, for the moment at least, as the third best player on the team. Yeah, I think I think the expectation is, is you get the Michael Porter you got throughout the regular season. Um, and and yeah, to your point, I think that is a different version of, of Mike than we've seen in in the past. Um, you know, the, the shot making is always going to be a given. You know, I think he's gotten to a point where, for the most part, he's he's taking the right shots and, and exactly he's, he's not taking bad shots as often, nearly as often. Right, and then building off of that, I think he's gotten a lot better at attacking closeouts and, and not trying to do too much where it's two dribbles and you go up strong to the rim or maybe it's a dribble and you pull up from you know 12 or 15 feet. And both of those are, are plays that he's, he's shown he's been able to make. Um, but I think the most interesting thing for Mike, and you look back to the past playoff performances, is on the, on the other end, defensively, teams have – kind of mercilessly gone at him and, and put him in actions repeatedly to the point where, you know, he, he got pulled at different times in the, the last playoffs he played in uh, for, for that reason. And I think he's, you know, improved on that end as well. He's always going to have his limitations. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a great defender, but he's 6'10", he's long. Um, and, and when he missed that stretch of games in the regular season with, with the heel issue, the Nuggets defense, struggled, I think, a bit more than it did when he was out there with them. Um, 
So as long as he's locked in and engaged on that end and, and doing as much as he can while, while keeping the right mindset offensively, I, I think that's got to be the expectation is, is that he continues to be who he's been for, for most of this regular season. And at times, I think that's resulted in him being the second best player on the floor for the Nuggets. He is Vinny Benedetto. Of course, follow him on Twitter at V Benedetto from the Denver Gazette. Uh, the reporter there for the Nuggets on top of all of it as they make their playoff run a highly anticipated one. Make sure you give uh, Vinny a follow and read everything he's put together with that terrific crew over at the Gazette. Uh, thanks so much, Vinny. Looking forward to talking with you again. Uh, have a wonderful weekend, and uh, we'll find out more next week. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. All thanks, right. Vinny. Thanks so much. It, it is an interesting playoff for the Nuggets because it does feel as if they should, if not cruise, probably this first round shouldn't go more than five games. Now, that maybe I'm shortchanging. Maybe six games is okay. Maybe you're not worried about that. I don't know how many sweeps are going to be happening in, in, in the first round or how much that necessarily matters. But the point that Vinny brought up that is interesting and I think a pretty good one is how Michael Malone trust his bench in the early going in games that the Nuggets appear to be in control of. When he talked about Thomas Bryant a little bit, you know, when he talked about Peyton Watson a little bit, would you like to be able to see them get on the, because every minute they're soaking up is a minute that a, 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 a more significant player of the rotation is not out there. I'll ask you the question. Who would you trust more, Thomas Bryant or Peyton Watson? Who would you trust more? Probably Peyton Watson. I think I might too, and I never would have said that 10 days ago. Yeah. I never would have said that 10 days ago. But I think, I just don't think it's worked with Bryant. I don't know exactly why. I know he was used to getting starters minutes. He was playing over 20 minutes a game with the Lakers, and when Davis was hurt, he was their starting center. And, and averaging and a double-double during the span of time. beat the Nuggets out of a ball game. You did? Uh, at least one of the two that the Lakers won this year. I remember Bryant being a major factor, not a spectator, not bearing witness to it. He was a contributing factor and a force in at least one of the head-to-head games the Nuggets played and, and I, against the Lakers this that's year. That's one of the reasons and they went got him. close to that here, and he had to know that when he came here, he wouldn't be getting much more than half the playing time he was getting in Los Angeles, but he'd be playing one position, one position only, and you weren't asking him to score, yeah, it, which I, I think may have bothered him now that I look back on it because he was averaging 12 points and six rebounds with the Lakers, and they don't need him to score 12 points uh, in 12 minutes of game action. Uh, they need him to play defense and get on the boards, and he really didn't do either one of those things uh, to the point where I think Najee is probably uh, the guy who is most likely to, quote-unquote, back up Jokic yeah. in the playoffs. But I think Watson is one of those wild-card uh, guys, like if used judiciously, can be in certain situations of great assistance. Again, a young guy who can run all day, uh, seems to understand, given his college background at UCLA, he was never a scorer. He was not even a starter. He only really at a, UCLA. No. He, he so he's used to coming off the bench, and you tell him to go out there, defend, 
and try to play st- like yeah. hell. Play, play aggressive. Try to get right. some blocks if, right. if you can. And don't just mess worry. Up the game. Don't worry about fouls because you're not going to be out there long enough to foul out. Obviously, I have to go back a bit if you are going to be a, a, a Nuggets fan and, and know this. You know the person. You might not remember the, the type of game. Is Peyton Watson potentially a guy you could throw out there in the Bill Hanslick role and just said, go out there and just mess things up for he, a little he, bit? He's not as seasoned. No, he's not. As but, Hanslick But the idea was. of like, just mess up the game a bit. Dirty up the game? Uh, yeah. Hanslick dirtied up the game. And I mean that as a compliment. Correct. Hanslick dirtied up the game. I think Perry Watson brings a kind of energy and athleticism that is different from Hanslick. Now, Hanslick was a good athlete, and Hanslick was absolutely fearless. Hanslick would guard anybody. Oh, yeah, he'd guard anybody. And right. he bugged the hell out of the Ralph Sampsons of the world. Bugged the hell out. Uh, I, I don't think Watson necessarily is an irritant as much as He's a jumping jack. Yeah, he comes out of nowhere and blocks shots. He comes out of nowhere, blocks shots. And, uh, you know, now, when I say you don't worry about fouls, uh, you don't want him fouling three-point shooters. Uh, You you don't want him taking stupid, silly fouls. But uh, if he contests a layup and draws a foul, okay, picks up two quick ones, okay, that's all right. Uh, You know, if he gets three and a half, uh, that's okay because he's not going to be playing more than six or seven minutes. In the second half. So I, I, he's an intriguing guy to me, and it depends, again, on how Malone views what happened in the last 20 games. And some of the starters didn't play as well. People like Perry Watson uh, yeah, and Peyton, Christian yeah, Brown Peyton. played a lot better. Yep. I'm sorry, oh, Peyton Watson. Certain. certainly uh, Played a lot better. And so I'm thinking – at least some consideration has to be given. If you've got a team down, I won't even say 2-0 because that's just doing what you should do and winning at home. But if you've got a team down 3-1, coming back to Denver for a fifth game, I, I hope they wouldn't need 40 minutes out of Jokic and 40 minutes out of Murray in such a game. I'm hoping that they could get by with regular season minutes, around 33, 34 minutes for both. In, in such a scenario, but I think to get to that point, to lead three games to one or three games to none, that you have to use your bench well and early on in a series not exhaust your stars. And it seems they have a pretty good handle on Porter's minutes. Yeah. With Murray and Jokic, I think there is a tendency sometimes to play them when they don't need to play. We'll find out who they play, of course, when the series starts on Sunday. Uh, You know, as we talk about it, you know, baseball is back. I wouldn't know with the snow, but the push for the postseason is obviously on for hockey and hoops. So make it count all this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. And plus, right now, you get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. So don't let spring pass you by without winning money. With Superbook Sports, visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. When we get back, looking at, you, you might not have noticed it, OTAs, sort of, kind of, for the Broncos are happening, and you're not hearing anything about it. We're about to tell you why that's a good thing. Next on My Life Sports. 
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Broncos actually are having OTAs this week. Under new head coach Sean Payton, but you haven't heard anything from Dove Valley. As a matter of fact, we talked about it yesterday. We went to DenverBroncos.com, the top eight stories on their web page, not one about the, uh, the OTAs. Now, that's in, in part because under Sean Payton, uh, there is no football happening. And also under Sean Payton, who is notoriously, uh, let's say, curmudgeonly with the media, perhaps that's a way to put it. Uh, or how about just out, out dislikes them in general and would prefer that, yeah, just weren't. Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, but, but it's he's been, he's kind a of a different uh, cat somewhere between Parcells was really uh, rather gregarious <laughs> during his coaching days. We know that Peyton models himself after Bill Parcells, uh, Bill Belichick, not so much. And to me, Peyton fits right between those two. He is not as verbose as Parcells by any means. Um, might not be quite as cantankerous as Parcells or Belichick, but I think he's uh, brusque with the media. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Would that be fair? Sure. And, uh, you know, you are informed on a need-to-know basis. And he said well before camp began that uh, there there would be no OTAs as we have conventionally defined them in April they would be lifting and running and that would be it. And he felt they were too quick to get into the football and that may have led to injuries. And the Broncos last three years have been, if not the most then one of the most injured teams in the NFL last year, they were number one in the NFL with $32.6 million in total cash on injured reserve. Uh, Nobody beat that. They tied Tennessee with 23 players on IR last year at various times. (laughs) 23 people on injured reserve. That's hard to believe. That, that That's, you know, talk about 22 starters, 23 guys go on injured reserve. Um, some of them starters. And some of them players of, of some significance. Some of the, with respect to players who, who weren't all that important. But the, the point is that I think he feels, certainly last year, that there was too much tail and not enough show. And I think a lot of fans feel that way, too. Mm-hmm. They've felt that way for yeah. many years. That the Broncos talk a lot about how this is going to be the year they turn into contenders again. And whether it's 2017 or 2019, when they had new coaches, uh, last year when they had another new coach in 2022, lots of talk, especially last year. Boy, was there a lot of talk. New age, new era. New energy in the building, different vibe. From the first day of phase one, this year no players are available in phase one. In fact, Russell Wilson will probably not speak to the media until late May. That's, see, so I'm all, I'm, all for saying, I'm all for it. Show me, don't tell me. And I don't want to read about your quotes in the papers or hear your sound bites on various radio and television stations around town. Right. I don't want to hear from you. I want to see you here. I want to see you lifting. I want to see you running. 
the Broncos, in my opinion, were the worst conditioned team in the NFL last year. And I think Peyton seeks to make them the best conditioned team in the NFL, which they should be playing half their games at altitude. And that's, that's a big, that's a really big point. And, and it really, again, doing it this way. And I, I have questions about Sean Payton. I, I am not in hundred percent sold on this hire, but I will absolutely look at this situation at face value and say you again, not only do you have an experienced person in, in, in the room running the thing that knows how to win at the highest level and has done it, has done it. It's not, it's, well, he wasn't a part of a staff. I mean, he was the head coach. And this feels like the right process, not only for this Denver Broncos team, but for this Broncos culture under new ownership to basically say, we are going back to absolute basics. We are starting over and that means, yeah, we're just literally going to do the stuff that you did when you were in high school. We're going to lift some weights. We're just going to run back and forth. We're going to get in shape. We'll do the rest of it later. Start from the ground up, and I think it's the right approach. This is a football. <laughs> and then you toss away the football, and you say, we're not going to do anything with that football for the next month. Yeah, we're not worried about that right now. We have other things. This is a football. I'm throwing it away, and you're going to be lifting and running for a month. And... That's and it, it's not only is it that important, I think, for the for the cultural reset and for the idea of you're going to focus on building a team entirely as opposed to just worry about winning it on on a whiteboard. But we have seen a lot of injuries, and the Broncos have had them as well. I mean, you'll go back to Juwan James. You can talk about KJ Hamler, uh, recently injured as well. Guys have been hurt lifting on their own. Look, this has been a Broncos problem. Uh, you got into it a little bit. There's no reason to kind of, uh, you know, beat the dead horse, Bronco, whatever pun you want to go with. But teams, I think, are are getting better. The Broncos certainly are investing and in being more cognizant of the fact that their training staff needed overhauled. And I and think there was, I and, think and the players I, I need want to, to be pick able to the right word too. here, but, I, you know, we were talking about this off air yesterday a little there was the feeling of fraudulence up and down the organizational chart and chain of command last year. And did that extend to the strength and, uh, strength and conditioning staff? Yeah. It was a bit of a, maybe, I mean, and, maybe, well, yeah. maybe. Now it isn't, it isn't the fault of a strength and conditioning coach and the strength and conditioning staff that Nathaniel Hackett chose not only to, practice very lightly in preseason, but chose to practice with no tempo, no pace whatsoever. I don't, I, I don't think the starters who didn't play in the preseason, and they're not the only team to sit starters in the preseason, but the starters weren't in shape. They couldn't get into shape and practice and never ran. It never ran. So going into did, the season, guys, oh, all of a sudden there are all these injuries. No kidding. You weren't in shape. Partially the fault of the strength and conditioning staff. And partially but they the coaching staff. They didn't determine the, uh, the practice plans from day to day either. That, that will change here. And th- this, I think, is, is the right step. I'm going to tell you again right off the bat, if you think the Broncos are immediate Super Bowl contenders, I'm sorry, you're... Um, 
you're partaking in something. And I'm They're not, not sure Sean Payton believes. I don't believe. Either. I don't think he does either. I think he understands this is going to be a process that you hope for the 2024 season you can be a playoff contender. Remember all the nonsense last year, and I, I must say, in full disclosure, we were guilty ourselves of partaking in <laughs> some of that nonsensical yeah, you, yeah, conversation. You, you and I were talking about I mean, the possibility I, they might make a wild card. That's well, what you and I, were talking. I, I didn't think they would, but I didn't pick them to have a losing record. I remember that. I had them going nine and eight, and they were five and twelve. They barely won half the number of games I had them winning. So it, we were all wrong. It was just a matter of degree, and yes, I was convinced that by the end of the preseason, something was amiss. And then when Hackett mismanaged. Uh, the opening games as poorly as he did, and they, within a month they had to rush in Jerry Rossberg right. to help him handle the clock, and it was pretty clear that Jerry Rossberg had uh, at least as much contempt for Nathaniel Hackett as Sean Payton has had for Nathaniel Hackett, given his public statements over the last several months. This all for the Broncos, it, it, it's, it's a different feeling because the Broncos of late, and I – I think you had it exactly right. And I think that was, you know, as Peyton's take a thing around town, there's been a lot of show and, uh, and not a lot of, not a lot of actually, you know, doing well, anything. There, a lot there, of telling there, in there's no been show. a lot of telling, telling and, and no very show. little showing. And yeah. I, I went, uh, didn't Vic Fangio say that? He, he said that he wasn't at one point. Get over it either. But to, to uh, who was holding out? Was it Justin Simmons who held out one year or was it? No, no, it was Chris Harris. It was Chris yeah, Harris. Chris Harris. Yeah. It was Chris Harris who held out. Well, Justin Simmons. Chris Harris holds out. Chris Harris says in the paper, "Well, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm studying. I'm up to speed on all this." And Vic Fangio's response was, "I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me. Show me." And immediately when Harris came back, Vic Fangio said, mm, "Not even close to being good enough." And Chris Harris was summarily gone. Of course, Fangio did also have a habit of saying things that sounded really great. And didn't do all the showing himself either at the same time. I remember well, he, he loved to boast about uh, the few occasions that he felt he had outcoached his uh, counterpart. And it rarely was the other head coach, which told you well, about was how a, he defined himself. It was another offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. And it was like somebody needed to tap him on the shoulder and said, fella, you're the head coach. You're not the head coach of the defense. The reboot here for the Broncos, it just feels so healthy to start this process over under new ownership, over over all all of it, you know, new coaching staff. Uh, it, it's going to be helpful for the Broncos to just come back, come back out and, and win games. Don't don't talk about how you're on this process and things are going to be. We're going to be right the there. First thing don't I want to see games. And, and some humility, I think, from the organization to say, look, look, you know what? We thought we were going to be really good, and we haven't been really good. I think right now we're just going to lay low, and we'll we'll go we'll come up and we'll surprise you with some wins. Right. And one of those wins, wouldn't it be nice this year to see maybe one of those wins? Is this asking too much? Come against the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe. This uh, maybe it's probably asking uh, too much because that losing streak against yet. the Chiefs goes back to 2015. Yep. I'll tell you. I, Wake me when they beat the Chiefs. I'm going to say that here for the first time, and I'll say it again probably uh, more than a 
few times in the coming months. <laughs> Between now then, wake oh, yeah. me when they beat the Chiefs. Then they're serious. Well, the Broncos haven't been able to become a winner in that. But when you are injured, you can't risk not getting a winner. And that's why you should meet our friends over at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. Hire the winner. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients. They have locations all over Colorado, from Boulder to Fort Collins, from Westminster to Cherry Creek, from Colorado Springs to Cheyenne. When you're injured, they'll push for you to get the maximum recovery, whether it's by settlement or by trial. So don't hire someone you read off a billboard. Get someone who will fight for you. A proven winner, and that's our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com. 720-845-7001. We will talk about the Colorado Avalanche tonight who can clinch the Central Division. And uh, Denver's nightmare is over. The suspect who tackled Dinger has turned himself into police. I'll tell you about it next on My Life Sports. <laughs> This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, we'll get to the avalanche in a moment, but uh, just a couple minutes ago, Denver Police Department Twitter account. Oh, yes. Uh, thanks to tips from the community, Denver Police investigators have confirmed the identity of the suspect who tackled Rocky's mascot, Dinger, as they put that in quotation marks, Dinger, during a Rockies game this past Monday evening. Uh, after contacting the suspect by phone, <laughs> they uh, they released really? uh, they, they released his name and date of birth. I don't feel like you're giving him any credit. Uh, person of interest turned himself into the DPD today at approximately 2:50 p.m. cited for assault and disturbing the peace. Yeah. Denver police, thanks to community Whoa. for tips, led to the identification <laughs> of. Uh, I, I of imagine the there are quite a few tips. He did this on the top of the dugout. Right, you're you're in the front row. I mean, uh, I mean, there are plenty of witnesses. I would think there are also know. cameras, right, everywhere. So tracking this guy down shouldn't have been. They also, I mean, required the greatest and, detective and not, work uh, uh, in the and world. A somewhat unique fellow and the kind of the person, if you're imagining, who might attack a, a seven mascot. foot tall, yeah. fuzzy purple mascot. And it's actually, you know, you um, this guy. Yeah, yeah, I would have. Yeah, maybe I like the type. I would have maybe yeah. guessed. I'm like, yeah, that sounds that sounds right. So, uh, yeah, his. Because he, he doesn't, you don't get the mug shot because he wasn't taken into custody. He turned himself in. Very smart yeah. move, by the way. Yeah. Um. So the the Denver police photo for the Crime Stoppers has this guy. Uh, looking. It, he didn't make any ten most wanted list or anything. No. But the funny thing is, he's you know doing the the, the pinky out, holding his ginormous can of beer. Oh, that's, that's the photo he that's, got. Uh, that's good. Uh, yeah. You know, very uh, very sophisticated. Uh, uh yeah. yeah. Yeah, sophisticated, dumb, dumb criminals like the uh, there were there were you know, that always. That's, I mean, it's, it's it's not funny. Unfortunately, everything seems to be okay with Dinger, and obviously this fool was going to get caught. But you now earlier today there was a, a theft uh, back east, I think in Pennsylvania, of two million dimes were stolen. How are you hauling around two million dimes? Someone is going to notice that you have two million dimes. I mean, what you, you like? That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but it's also somewhat obvious. Okay. Two million dimes. You're going to look like. Where, where do you put two You're going to look dimes. like the sheriff. I mean, how, of, do you, how do you yeah. carry around two million? It's like a Robin Hood movie. You're like the sheriff of Nottingham with like a, like a satchel. 
uh, you know, with a string tied around it, just toting around and, you know. Scrooge McDuck jumping into jumping a pool into of it, dimes. Yeah. Which, you know, sounds funny too. you realize it's metal and that doesn't actually give and you're no, just you going to paralyze yourself. take a big swimming pool to hold 200 yeah, two, uh, million, two million dimes. dimes. Yeah. I mean, they're going to notice very large people. Swimming. Goodness gracious. The Colorado Avalanche tonight have the entire... Uh, League in their hand, really. I mean, there are two games tonight. They are both make-up games. The other game is totally irrelevant. Buffalo, fact, Columbus. A little, are you a little, I guess, I guess I'm not surprised because, you know, their ticket, hold, they, they bought tickets and you want to fulfill it and everything. But this game is, the game they're running tonight is irrelevant. I mean, you could just, well, of course, you could just they, not play it. Although, you know what? The Buffalo Sabres had a decent year this year and they have a chance if they win this game. To hit the ninety point, and mark, if you're Columbus, ninety one, you'd like to lose it and maybe get a better shot uh, right. of drafting Connor Bedard. That's so exactly right. Yeah. Have you seen the clips of him? He's, uh, uh, he looks promising, rather good. Seems now like, I I did hear last night nowadays, just and I always Connor cr- apparently. I, I I cringe when I hear this, and John Busagrash is is very good on hockey, and they're talking about Bedard and they're showing some of the clips, and he says, "Well, he's going to score 30, 40 goals next year." Next year? Ooh, okay. And I'm like, well, doesn't that kind of depend on Where he goes. which bad team he gets drafted by? Right. Yeah. It I mean, he won't lot. be playing with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Nope. Nope. Look how long. I mean, look. Connor McDavid is generational. He won't be playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, I I, I, I David don't know walked how in and, and was spectacular, but how how long did it take? I mean, really, la- last how long did it take him to win a playoff series? Yeah. A long, long last time. year. Uh, certainly, Edmonton appeared to be a threat before the Avs just you know, steamrolled them. Uh, this year, I think I'm with you as it stands today. Oh, they're they're the best team in the they're West. Uh, but but how how think about this? It's not exactly McDavid's rookie year. Now he's not old or anything. No, but let's not go overboard. Yeah, uh, let's not get. Uh, he'll be drafted Nathan, by. Yeah. He'll be drafted by a bad team. Nathan McKinnon was drafted first overall and turned into a pretty good score immediately. I, but this is his first hundred point season on a good on a team. Ba- uh, well, the first year, well, but it, yeah, but it took but a while. Then to it get became there. almost a record-setting bad team that had yeah. forty-eight points just a few short years later, and he was awful. And I remember at the end of that year, people were saying he's he's a bust. They got to get rid of Connor him. McDavid in his first year at forty-eight points in forty-five games. In the 2015-16 season. Again, let me repeat that, though. The 2015-16 season. This is his eighth year. Yeah. Now, granted, he's only 26, but this is his eighth right. season. Right. Let's let's not go nuts. <laughs> yeah, well, the, look, the, at, look, look at Landeskog, who, as we speak, is third, right? Yes. When was he named captain? When he was 19, correct? At the time he was named captain, and I, I do not mean to take this away from him because obviously he's had an extraordinary run as captain, but that was the avalanche were so far down that the truth of the matter is Landis Gogs being named captain was something of a publicity stunt because the Avs made a big deal about how he's the youngest captain in the history of the uh, NHL after surpassing right. Sidney Crosby's. Now, right. it's worth noting the Avs made him captain Months before the season, long before the season in the spring, before the yeah. season even started, right. whereas Sidney Crosby, closer to after breaking with his first camp and being with the team, was named captain closer to the but, season. But I'm just At saying, the equivalent time, Landis Gog was actually older than Crosby, but it was because the team was bad and wanted, you're trying to pitch hope. My, my, my point being that for more than a third of his life, 
Gabriel Landeskog has been playing in the NHL mm-hmm. for well over a third of his life. Yeah, at the NHL level. Yes. Right? Yes. It's it's hard to just pop up there and be a phenom and go win cups. There's a reason there's only a few guys that have done it. There's a reason that you barely need to know their first names. <laughs> and and McDavid is is in that Lemieux Gretzky class of scores. Of course he is. And this is year eight, and this is his first probably realistic look at winning the cup. I, I, I mean, with so. all due respect, I, they did get to the Western Conference Final, but they yes, didn't even win a game. Yes, they, they were not a threat to win the Stanley Cup last year. The Avalanche are still a threat to win the Stanley Cup, despite the fact they do not have Gabriel Landeskog for the playoffs. Uh, Andrew Cogliano hurt last night, not traveling with the team. Dennis Malgan also hurt, is traveling with the team, but will not Which play. Which we think is good news. We think that's good news. Uh we know Josh Manson will be back for game one. Uh, that's his own statement. The yes. presumption is uh, that, that Kale McCarr will be as well. That has not been confirmed. And Arturi Lekkinen uh, came back last night and, oh, oh by fine. the way, uh, had a goal and an assist. And the goal was an empty netter, but it was, hello, an empty netter. It was netter. an empty netter, netter from seven-eighths oh, of the, uh, and, and it took uh, a little bit of precision right for a guy who had a broken finger. Five. Fired it right And in. actually, the, the, one of the passes he had made earlier in the game uh, coming across the the goal mouth, having to switch, basically switch from the, the forehand to the backhand, sliding it across, uh, his hand looked fine. Like, and it looked like he was he was good you, to go. You know what? They, they say, and fortunately uh, for me, I, I have not suffered a broken finger in my life. But, what? But, but, um, from what I understand, once it's healed, the bone can actually grow stronger. It can. It can also make your pinky go all weird. Well, like mine, I know. Like, in case you're looking on my life. You're, you're a mess. Yeah. You're like, a mess. And then it doesn't go back in my hand anymore, yeah. and I look like I have a claw. But, you know, yeah. not the case for Lekin and apparently. No, and, apparently uh, his, his training staff no, may have it, been a little better well, than what'd mine. What do you think? 15, 24, <laughs> that seemed about right Yeah. Uh, for him. His first game back, he missed 15. First game back, 15, 24, one goal, one assist, two points, and plus two. <laughs> I, th- I think, I, I think you'll take that. Absolutely. And he's playing with Confer and Rodriguez. And, uh, you know, Jared Bednar has a We talked about for Rodriguez, too, and Rodriguez yeah. gets uh, gets on the score sheet as well. Yes. So, I mean. Uh, and, uh, you know, Hunt was plus two. Eller was plus two last night. Byram had a nice game, plus one. Uh, Gerard played over 24 minutes And was last good again, night. by the way. The pairing played with him. 15 and- seconds less than Taves did, and that's power play time. Mm-hmm. That's it. They, they're on to something. Now, obviously, when Kale McCarr comes back, you're going to put him right there with uh, with Taves again. Of course you are. Well, of course. But this has been. <laughs> but they'll put Gerard probably with Eric Johnson and Manson with Byron. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of finger injuries, uh, earlier today, kind of now Matt Duchesne has not uh, played since uh, just March 26th and right. when he got hit by a slap shot. Uh, revealed this morning that. Um, when Duchesne actually took his glove after that slap shot hit him in the hand, the tip of his finger was still in it. And that would be why he's, uh, hasn't played since. So not great. Won't see, uh, him either. So do the, what's, what's the sense of Nashville and how they're going to play this? I mean, he can't play. Duchesne can't play. Are they holding people out? I, I thought I, I didn't see much of what they did last night, but they scored a few goals. Yeah, and it, it looks as if they kind of, this this team seems to be a little more interested because they were one of the last teams to yeah. be eliminated. Well, uh, they're the only team 
Am I right on this? Uh, well, Calgary has 93 points, didn't make it. What did you say about Nashville's the, uh, 92. So if, Na- if Nashville wins tonight, they'll have more points than any other team that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, what would you say? There are guys that like to, uh, they like to rain on parades. Yeah, and, uh, Larry Robinson. Larry Robinson. Line, well, not I, original with Larry Robinson, but I could see the uh, Predators liking an opportunity to do that on the maybe, way maybe. But I, you know, is there any built-in? There's no feeling that they'd rather have Dallas finish first than the Avs. Do the I mean, rivalry? I, I, I don't think that's it, but I, I do think they, in front of their home fans, want to Senate, finish Senate, out the yeah. season nicely, Strong. and uh, you know, say we had 94 points and we were in a division where everybody else had 95 or more. Do the Avs get it done tonight? I think they do. I think I, they I do, think too. They do. We will find out. And, of course, and we'll be, when we're back on Monday, the Nuggets will have gotten game one under their belt in true. the playoffs. We'll be talking about the playoffs uh, on Monday. Big, big week coming up. Looking forward to it. This week has been fun as well. Thanks today to J.J. Jerez of Mile High Sports for joining us. Vinny Benedetto of the Denver Gazette joined us as well to talk about the Nuggets. You can catch any part of that over at MileHighSports.com or on the free Mile High Sports app. Andrew Denver is the guy that makes it look good on video, and Danny Bailey is the guy that makes everything sound great. Thanks to both of them in the booth every single day. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it right here because Anila Piro and Cody Rock are next on Mile High Sports. Action, and it's out there somewhere.